This morning's text is an interesting one, as they often always are. Uh, If you hear the two parts of the gospel reading, Susie really had two options to tell the children. Repent and perish, or God's merciful and has patience. Glad she went with the fig tree. (laughs) Now, I like to drive. Uh, I don't know how many of you really enjoy driving. I thoroughly enjoy driving. Um, Being a passenger is okay, but I love driving. Uh, I always have, from my first car until the car I have now. Each one of them have had different capabilities, and I know this because I generally end up pushing them somehow towards those capabilities. I know that a 68 Mustang can go about 120 miles an hour. It's another story for another day. (laughs) And I know that uh, about 1994 Sebring, when you go around a corner just fast enough, pushes sideways, and if you pull the emergency brake, it slides the back end out to drift a little bit around a corner. Don't ask how I know all these things. It's just fun. I like driving. And what I've realized driving between California and St. Louis and in other areas is that different states have different rules on what you can do. All those previous stories were against all the rules in all the states. Don't worry about that. Um, Thankfully, there was no one there to tell me that. Uh, But in each state, I actually learned that there's different U-turn rules, okay? And so the first sign that we have here in the sermon slides, the first U-turn slide that we have up, Uh, which is going to come up here, is one that you're familiar with. We see this one in California a lot, right? You can turn left, you can do a U-turn. If you can't do a U-turn, they tell you, and we're pretty familiar with these. Now, if you go to Arizona, uh, you can actually do a U-turn on a red light. Sounds odd, doesn't it? Look it up. You can do a U-turn on a red light so long as you don't cross the plane of the intersecting street, which basically means don't cross the last line of the crosswalk and you can do a U-turn on a red light in Arizona. If you ever notice the medians, they're back far enough to where you can do that. Now, St. Louis, you're not allowed to do U-turns on any light, on any street, which is good because they're all really narrow, and you'd probably drive up on the curb if you were going to try and do it, but you can't do U-turns in that street. And you're probably trying to figure out why I'm talking about U-turns so much. It's actually a great way to think about the first half of the gospel text and the Old Testament text as well as we talked about that. You see, there's different types of U-turns that we end up doing, though. And this next one is kind of helpful for me as I think about it. Oh, I forgot about Michigan. That's a Michigan left. It actually is called that. You have to go right to go left. If you want to go north, you have to go south, and then you have to do a U-turn And I think it's just because there's too much winter and they want you to drive through more potholes. So that's past that one. I forgot. I have friends up there. Pray for them. Okay. A U-turn in our life is a great way to think of this word repentance. Okay. You hear Jesus say it. Repent or perish. Repent in Greek is a term that you're not going to remember, but it basically means change of mind, a turn around 180 degrees, an about face. If you're going this way, you turn around and go this way. It's a complete change of mind. And we're good at this in some ways. We can generally come to church and we can repent of things we've done, 
And that's one form of repentance. We're usually pretty good at seeing those things because they're, they're tangible things to look at. I can repent of driving too fast in my first car. I can repent of sliding another one around corners when there's police that are seeing it. I can repent of these things because I know they were wrong. I know what the standard was and I know I went beyond that standard and I can point to that. We can repent of things that we know we haven't done as well. You heard it in the confession this day, right? The things that we know we've done and thoughts, words, and deeds that we know of, but then also the things that we know that we left out. The types of sins that God calls us to, but we know we didn't do them. We can repent of those and say we're sorry for those as well. And in all this talk of repentance, as Jesus is there speaking with the folks as Luke records it in our gospel, and we hear Jesus talking about it, you can almost hear the folks there trying to connect the dots with some other histories, though. And we can see in this, in this next picture here, this is kind of how I think of when we start to connect the dots, right? In our mind, we start trying to figure out how to get from one place to the next. So as Jesus is talking about repentance, you can imagine these dots trying to be connected in the minds of those hearing. You can hear him say, well, what about Jesus? What about the folks that were up in Galilee that Pilate killed? What about them as their blood was mixed with the sacrifices? Were they worse sinners? Why did they have to die, Jesus? And see, we want to know these kind of things so that maybe we don't cross those boundaries, right? And there's some validity to that. You can hear him say again, well, well why, why did the people die that were under that tower in Siloam? Why did those 18 people have to die? What about them, Jesus? Why did they have to perish there. Were they worse sinners, Jesus? And he throws the question right back. Well, do you think they were worse sinners than you are? And he answers that. He says, no. So it's just because they died in these tragic ways doesn't mean that they were worse sinners or their, their actions drew those things upon themselves. But he says, even though you haven't been in those sittings, you still have to repent. And in our minds, we start to wonder, well, why? Why the tragedies? You see, in all the years of driving, there have been tragedies too. It's been accidents that for one reason or another, I would be the first person too. And some of them were horrific. Some of them were very gracious. And that it looked like a bad setting, but the people were okay. And then in other ones, there was no way for anybody to be able to walk away from them. And we start to wonder, why? Why, Lord, is this happening? Why is this going on? But see, we don't really get to ask that question. We don't get to ask that question, why, and have a solid answer for God, because God doesn't actually need to answer the question, why. Throughout all the Psalms, the question why isn't there. It's more of a, a complaint. But see, in the Psalms, it's a lament. And when we lament these things, we start asking the question, how long? How long, O oh Lord, 
for this suffering? How long will this be going on? How long will we have to walk in this sin? How long will this affect us, Lord? You see, there's a third kind of repentance that we don't often think about, but it's actually one of the hardest. See, we can repent from sins that we see in front of us. We can repent of the things that we know we haven't done. God calls us to a repentance of our identity as sinners before him. That's hard to do. Because how do you turn around from yourself? If there's a sin that's out here and I know it's over on this side and I know I'm heading towards it, I can turn around and say, okay, now it's behind me. If there's something I haven't done, I can say, I'm going to turn away from that and go towards what I know I should do. If I'm standing here and God says, repent of who you are as a sinner before me, I can't get away from myself. Luther had a great line. When our Lord Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he willed the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. Everywhere you go, how do we repent of that? What do we do? That's our identity. How do, we, how do we turn around from who we are? See, but then, then we get to the fig trees. And I think that's the next one. It is. Then we get to this fig tree. I don't know if you saw the, the title that I put up for the sermon, U-Turns and Fig Trees. There, there was a tree in Ojai that I was driving towards. And I say I was driving towards it, not because I was on the sidewalk, but because the tree was in the middle of the road. Ojai has this thing where you can't cut down oak trees. Well, they decided to expand a street off of the city, and there happened to be a tree in the middle of the street. And so they just painted around it, and you had to go around the tree that was planted right in the middle. Nobody cut it down. They left it there, which meant you really had to be aware when you drove down that street. That tree was left. You see, as we are born and as creation is corrupted by sin and as we are brought into this world, we are brought in as sinners and enemies of God. It calls us to repent of that because whether or not those that were in Galilee had died by Pilate's hand, or whether or not folks were going to be under that tower, whether or not somebody was absolutely righteous like we hear of the righteous in Ezekiel. Death comes. God calls us to repentance. See, if we, we don't know what to repent from, if we don't know what to turn around from, if we don't know what identity to walk away from and what identity to walk towards, what do we do? That's where God's hand is beautiful. Where his, his hand of mercy, his hand of patience, his hand of grace is beautiful because in baptism he gives you a new identity. In baptism he, he gives you something to look towards. And it's not just your actions and it's not just the things that you can do as one in faith. He gives you himself to look towards. And he says, here you stand as a tree with no figs, but I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to nurture you and I'm going to give you my word, and I'm going to be there, present in your life to grow you and turn you into the child that I have called you to be. And so where our life of repentance 
is one to call us away from our identity in sin. He gives us a new identity to be called towards. And he gives us a new identity from outside of us. There's nothing that we do to turn towards that identity. He says, here, here it is. I'm going to pour it over your forehead in word and water so that you can look at something and look at my action in your life and look at where I have claimed you as my child. And I make you mine. And I make you loved. And I make you a forgiven child of God. And then I'm also going to plant in your heart the faith to hold on to the promises of love and life and forgiveness. Because did you hear the other part in Ezekiel? It was about chapter, or excuse me, it was chapter 33, but in about verse 17. He said, the righteous that live by their righteousness are still going to die. But the wicked ones that turn from their wickedness will live. Well, as we're born in that sinfulness, as we're born in all of that, we can't turn from our identity and wickedness, but God turns us from outside of us. God changes us in our heart by his hand. God makes us his by his love and by his son and by his action and turns us towards himself. And so each day as we find ourselves being drawn towards certain temptations and certain sins, God's hand is right there to turn us back around towards himself and claim us again and grab a hold of us again. And it's a beautiful moment each time when we fall to our knees in that repentance and we say, God, I don't know where to turn to other than to just stop. And just stop because I know that you're here. I know you're present. I know you're present in prayer. I know that you're present in your word. I know you're present because you have made yourself present to me. You have made yourself part of my life. You are the one that has made me your child. So we fall to our knees in thanks. And thanks and love for the God who has made us his own. And then God, beyond that, to not leave it upon our shoulders to say, well, now you better keep it up but to die in our place, to forgive us our sins, to take our sins upon his shoulders, to bury those sins and walk again in life so he can hand over the gifts of life and forgiveness. And so in those times where we find ourselves not knowing which way to turn, remember that God's the one that has grabbed a hold of you as his child and turns you towards himself hands you life and forgiveness through his son. Amen. We pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the love that you have for us. Thank you for the patience that you bear with us. Thank you for the work that you do by your spirit to call us to yourself, to turn us around and then grow us. Be with us this day and as we go from here knowing that we are loved by you, and sent to care for all those that you bring into our lives. Be with us each moment. And when we are lost, please, Father, remind us that we are found in you. In your son Jesus' name, amen.